for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is October 27th, and today we are diving deep into conversation with Cody DeQuisto. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey. This is episode 134, and today I'm going to keep this intro short. Uh, I know everybody's busy out there, wants to get in the woods. I do know that, and I'm in the same boat. But I've got about five minutes to to cut an intro for this, and basically what I want to say is this conversation is probably one of my favorites. I say that a lot, but it just gets better and better. Cody DeQuisto is one of the most humbling, most respectful human beings I've got to talk to. And honestly, I I mean, I don't know him personally. This is the first time I've ever talked to him, but I think Justin, I'm going to speak for Justin a little bit too, but I, I think he could say the same thing. I, you know, I really enjoy talking to Cody. We get into a lot of different things, even, you know, as far as hunting, but like, you know, growing up with his dad being Andre and, you know, growing up in that limelight and stuff like that in the hunting world. I mean, being at the pinnacle basically of, uh, your father, you know, being (laughs) one of the best hunters, you know, whitetail hunters, bow hunters out there. Um, so we get into that, but it's a great conversation. Like I said, I'm gonna keep this short and sweet. Um, I'm hoping to get out a extra podcast, maybe possibly this week, if I can get it recorded, I'm going to be on the road. So I'm going to try like heck to do it. I had an unbelievable week here in Michigan this last week. So I want to just kind of get everybody up to date on that, but I didn't want to take away anything from this podcast with putting a long intro in. So here it is the interview with Cody DeQuisto. I hope you guys enjoy it. Sweet November's coming up, get out there, get your deer, get after it, you know, and uh, shoot straight. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast, and today we've got a guest on that Justin and I have been wanting to get on for a very long time, and it is the one and only, I think it's the one and only, Cody DeQuisto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cody, a couple well, others running around. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for coming on. Dude, thanks for having me, man. Um, 
it's a it's a pleasure to be here. Sorry it took so long to to link up, but man, I mean, tis the season, right? We're all we're all chasing deer, and it's wild for sure, man. You are you are a hard man to get a hold of, and I get it because you're busting your ass not only in you know the the woods, but for Lone Wolf Custom Gear and all that shit. Like you are. You're on the go all the time, man. You're you're a grinder. I love it. I love seeing it. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's weird, man, because it's it's like I find. I mean, there's there's so much going on, but especially this time of year, it's like I feel like I do my best work on the move, though. Like it's uh, even even in a day's uh, in a day's layout, it's like, and that's I think the reason I'm always late is because like I. <laughs> If I'm if I'm ever gonna be on time, I'm just like, oh, well, I can just do this real quick, and yep. and then I make myself late, and um, you know, just but but yeah, man, it's just it's a it's a grind and um, idle. What do they say? Idle hands are the are the devil's uh devil's playthings or something. So <laughs> yeah, you gotta be you gotta be rolling. You gotta be rolling all the time. So. Well, for sure. So for anybody that's, you know, listened to this podcast that might have been living under a rock for the last 15 to 20 years, kind of give everybody a brief bio who you are and, and where you come from and, and what, you know, Lone Wolf Custom Gear is. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, man, I'm just a dude that loves the whitetail hunt, man. Uh, I was I was fortunate enough to be kind of born in the industry. Um uh, my old man, Andre DeQuisto, uh, founded, uh, the company, um, Lone Wolf, uh, back in the early eighties. And, you know, uh, his, his life was pretty much, you know, chasing deer and designing products that, uh, enabled him to do it better and more efficiently. So, um, coming up, uh, you know, when I, I, I grew up immersed in hunting. So, um, and not that we were a big hunting family, it was just, my dad was crazy about it. Like, uh, you know, I don't, we did, I didn't have the uncles and, and, uh, just like the, like a huge camaraderie, like a uh, hunting family, but it was just something that my old man was passionate about. And, and that was his, that was his livelihood. So coming up like that and coming up just surrounded by big deer because he was a very accomplished hunter. I just was, uh, I think it was natural that I followed in those footsteps a little bit. Um, I have other siblings that don't hunt a lot. So I'm fortunate. I was, I was bit by the bug and, um, just developed a, a strong passion for it. And now I find myself so many years later, um, still doing the same thing, hunting and designing products, uh, to make it even easier and better stuff, uh, than, you know, than, than the old man did so long ago. So it's cool to, to use, his original designs that were so ahead of their time as a platform to innovate and now take the tree stand industry to the, to the next level, I believe. For sure. And, you know, I, I kind of brought up a, a thought here, you know, with, with your dad growing up, you growing up with your dad and who he was. And like you said, accomplished hunter, like, I mean, there probably isn't a lot of hunters out there that are more accomplished than, than Andre was, or even is still to this day. But did you ever feel like pressure at any moment of like, man, I, you know, I always feel like what it is it to be like LeBron James's kid, you know, or someone like that. Like, you know, did you ever feel that pressure? Like shit, you know, I, I gotta get it done. Like I gotta, I gotta follow in the old man's footsteps and I gotta, you know, you know, keep this name alive kind of thing. Was it ever anything like that? Yeah, there's, there's definitely been pressure. Um, but, but not, but in a different sense, like the pressure 
I got was put on by me because that like I'm I'm that sort of individual and I'm driven by like I'm motivated by um you know goals I set for myself and I'm very like determined in that sense. So like when I was growing up and you know every day the house that I lived in the walls were full of of giant deer. Like and I'm not <laughs> yeah. talking about like good deer. They were they were full of big 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 deer. I mean at that, at the, at, you know, at the point in time that I can really remember, like comprehend, and I didn't comprehend at that point in time, but I look back at when I was like, just getting into like hunting, dad had, uh, already had killed the number two in state of Wisconsin with, with a bow. He had a bunch of other huge deer. Like there was no room on the wall in the living room. And when I, and also the garage was full of deer and when I started hunting, he had just killed, he had beat his number two state of Wisconsin, a typical with a bow with a new now number two. And it bumped his, to, so now he had two and three huge typicals, uh, with a bow. Uh, and it, it was just like, you know, so the pressure I got was more so like, that's what I seen as a deer you shoot. I, you know, so when I started hunting instantly, it was like, okay, my, my bar for a trophy, like what I wanted. And I think everybody wants to, you know, wants to please their old man in a way. So, I mean, but also, you know, so, I mean, I was shooting for that. Like I wanted his approval, but I also like, I never got to experience like just going out there and hunting. There was always that aspect in my mind of like, okay, what is a, what is a, tro- what is a trophy deer? What am I out here after? And, um, and that's what's interesting about it. Like my first buck that I've ever shot was just right at that Pope and Young um, score. It was like 124. And I remember shooting that deer and being upset. Like, or after we scored it, like, just because I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, this, like, well, this won't <laughs> even belong in the garage. Like, you know, I'm like, well, you know, but I was fired up. It was one of, it was the most memorable hunt I have because that's what I believe hooked me. And it was an awesome time. Um, and it, it, it stoked this fire of mine, but, but right after that, it was like, okay, it's game time. Like, like you can do better and you got to kill a 160. And the next year I killed a 160 10 and, and it was, and I held out for that 10 until December, like 20th. Like, so I was, I was getting it like, and, and that's the type of type of person I am. So, and I thought in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's my goal. I feel like that'll be like, I feel like, you know, um, you know, I think dad'll be proud of that. I'll be proud of that. Like, that's a good goal. And and this is early on. This is a kid 15 years old, like, uh, that is just, you know, and, and immediately I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do it on my own and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, show everybody what's up. So that was kind of the drive that I had right off the bat. Um, but on an industry standpoint, I've never felt, pressure it was always like same thing with same thing with big typicals like it's it's just like i grew up listening to dad and his his all-time and it's still like his dream today to this day is to shoot a new world record like is to hold the world record typical with a bow and and he's got some that are up there in that that 200 inch range but like that 205 net typical is his all-time dream and his bar and his like judge 
of what a trophy or what an acceptable deer was always like, okay, a net Boone and Crockett typical. Now, for those of you guys who don't know, that is a freaking stud of an animal. <laughs> and, it, and, it's a, yeah. and it's a rare animal. That's a unicorn. And there's a lot. Oh, yeah, dude. And there's a lot of, like, you know, quote unquote Boone and Crockett's out there, you know, non typical or gross. But, like, to actually net that 170 frame as a typical is very hard to do and that is a freaking tank so yeah. like that was his so you know instantly like that was like what that i guess in my mind that was like okay that's what you need to get to you need to get to a point to where that's what you're chasing and that's what it is and and since then over the course of years i've i've mellowed out and i have a different take and you know your things change as you as you develop as a hunter and, and all that stuff but but i was just always um, so the one pressure, I guess, long, super long answer to sum it up. The one pressure I did get, um, was pretty much on myself and it was just, uh, and it was, and, and I regret it a little bit, but then in a way I don't, because it made me, it made me the persistent hunter that I am to this day. And it made me develop my skills a lot quicker than I think if I was just filling my tags, um, uh, a lot of people even early on are like, you know, this hunters that were established or they'd see film of deer that I was letting walk. And they're like, well, you don't even have, you know, well, you should be shooting those deer. You should be having fun out there. You should be, you know, enjoying it. And at that point in time, it was like, okay, I'm having fun, but it's, it's a game I'm making for myself. And, 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 and the prize is what the prize is in my head. And I, I won't be happy with that that deer that's 140 inches like i want one that's 160 like that's what i want and for the longest time it was like this mission of like okay how many 160s you know can can you kill like and and um and so if you look at like even my my trophy room per se like there's this there's like this non-existent area of 130 140 150 inch deer like they're just everything is over a certain um but like i said that kept me in the woods longer it took me longer to accomplish those goals like throughout the season so i was getting better i was honing my skills i was um and, and you know i was having a lot of success early season too but it's just one of those things where you know it, to look back on it i can't show any regrets really yeah for sure and that's that's just I mean, how you're brought up too. I mean, that's the only thing you really knew, you know, for me, like, you know, getting brought up, I was like, my first buck was a six point with my bow, you know, and, and it was, it was, it was like a stage thing, you know, you gotta, you shoot this, you shoot this. And now I've worked myself yep. up to like, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near, I'd love to be where you're at, but I'm nowhere near like 130 inch deer still gets me pretty pumped, you know, or 140 inch deer. Like I'm like, I'm like ready for that, <laughs> but in Michigan, well, in Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, keep going, keep going. Well, here in Michigan, you know, uh, my goal, my unicorn is obviously I want to shoot a four-year-old, but if I have a three-year-old that's, you know, could be, you know, right at the Pope and Young or, I mean, maybe even a little smaller, like it, it, what I equate it to is if, like, I see that deer and he gets me freaking going, I mean, I'm, I'm fucking letting one go through the chest. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. that's that's what I go for. And I think you are the same way, and that's just you got to find those goals. What you're saying is find those goals and go after them and, and set a higher standard for yourself too. Well, and I think, I think over the course and me evolving as a hunter and just a person in general and, you know, being a young kid then and just like my competitive nature and, and even what I'm doing now, I, I'm more into, like, I, I just, 
and I think everybody goes through that stage, but it's just like, it's just like almost, uh, I don't know what to correlate it to, but there's been so many times where like, I've not shot a deer or like, uh, even, even older deer that I knew were old, but didn't really, didn't have what I wanted, like as a rack, you know, on, on the head, I guess what you'd say. But, um, I am really trying to get more into tune like this year, this deer, I just shot a few, a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, I love that deer. He's freaking awesome. I mean, is he, is he as big as some of the ones I have on the wall? Like, no, but I don't regret that one bit. I mean, he was a freaking old horse of a deer, had a cool looking rack, like, and he jacked me up as soon as I seen him. And that was one of the biggest reasons, like, like this year has really just, even my experiences that I've had thus far have taken me back to, to really kind of the, the, the beginning of it all and that excitement and, um, and that's one of the big things about like, okay, so I haven't been running any cameras and every place that I go into and every, every Intel or, or, or I have no Intel is what I'm getting at. Every place I go to is fresh. So when I come up on buck sign, I have no idea what left it. And when I'm sitting in the timber and I catch a glimpse of something coming through and I see it, the buck, like it, it's immediately another rush for me because there is nothing for me to trace that back to in my mind. I'm, I don't know what he is. I have no idea. I have yeah. to, you know, and, and I don't like what I, I really, I really have hard feelings about what, what hunting quote unquote has become as far as like the, the whole process. But I know that like what jacks me up is like the chase at its core. And that's where I, I I'm, I'm glad to be back to that because now it's like, and that, it's just like when I seen that buck, like I, he's coming through and I see, I'm like, Oh man, he's got a big body. And I seen just tines through the thick hedge. And then as soon as he, he closed the distance enough and I seen that big swooping beam and I, I did that quick judgment and I seen he had awesome fours and, and, and I already knew he was a, a, a just a huge deer in general. And I'm like, game, game over, you know, like, like the, it was just, um, it's cool to not have, because in past years, I found myself honestly in, in, in a depression too. Like, and it makes me not hunt hard thinking I know exactly what I have on the farm or what I might get into or what I might not get into. And, and it's just, it's, uh, it's crazy, but doing it for getting back to the root of it, man, it's like, you know, enjoy it. And, um, yeah. Dude, I, I gotta say you're, you're singing my song right now. Cause I've, I have the exact same mentality. Like I, I don't. Let me, let me start by prefacing the fact that I did just buy 40 acres in Iowa, but I'm not running cameras looking to see what deer I'm going to hunt. I'm running cameras because I just moved in a week ago and I want to see what's here. Like for the last two years, I've hunted public land and you you almost said it a second ago. Like it's nice to not have, and I, I swear you're going to say expectations. And I've loved the fact that I can go out there and hunt and I don't have any expectations because if I go out there and I get a picture of a 200 and I get a picture of a 180, I go out in the stand and I see the 180. Am I going to pass him up because I know there's a 200? I don't fucking think so. Like I, I'd rather not know that either one of them are there. I want to see the one that comes by that says, yep, that works for me. And that's the one I'm going to shoot. Yeah. It, it, it's a different, it's a different feeling, man. And it's hard. It, it's, it's actually crazy. Cause I don't think, a lot of hunters can actually 
or, uh, you know, I well definitely new hunters, but if you take, I remember what it was like before there was a bunch of cameras and even like, uh, and, and, and there's been cameras around for a while. Don't get me wrong. And I remember when I first started hunting, like the first cuttybacks were out and like there, there was a few, you know, and like, I think, you know, I think the old man had one and, but like my early days of hunting and even, even if I look at my most successful years hunting, I was not fucking with any cameras like at all. Like, and, and I, that's not a coincidence. And I've, I've put those pieces together and then, you know, so in the, in the last five years or so, like I'd run cameras, but very, very sparingly. And I would use them just as Intel purpose, like, or just as like a, um, not Intel, but, um, well, it is Intel, but, uh, inventory, uh, inventory. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I mean, I was looking to just, I wanted one picture of that deer to figure out which one I wanted. And I wanted to go after that specific deer. And that was the game. Yeah. And that's, a, and that's a badass game. Like, you know, if you get that, you get that picture, you know, he's there, you know, he's one you want to shoot. And then you go out and, and you set, set off for him. And, and I've done it. I've done that. I've hunted down a specific deer, killed him. It's awesome. Um, but I'm getting more to the fact now to where I want to enjoy being out there. The unknown excites me more, especially so much stress of like, okay, well, okay. Does this score, does this deer score 175? Like, or does he, uh, I know he's old, whatever, he, whether he's a four and a half or five and a half, he's old enough to shoot. Is he what I want? Like, is he, I'm done with that, man. I'm just like, I'm, I'm on more of a, a pace to like, I want to go out there and I want to hunt. And what I like doing is I like figuring out ground and I like figuring out deer. And it, it, it like, I don't know, man. It just, it, it, it's this feeling, man. It's this rush you get, not just pulling a card, hopping right where that card was sit or that camera was, was hung. And then like sitting there and waiting for the deer to come in. Like, yes, which that's a tactic in itself. And that's, that's strategic. And, and you did your job, you did your due diligence, but it's different, man, just to go in somewhere blind and just start scouting and start hunting. And then, you know, it's, it's cool, man. Yeah. That's refreshing to hear you say that though, too, just because of, you know, the track record you have as well for you to kind of take a step back and, and kind of like, in a way, kind of let your hair down and relax and have a little more fun, but in a different sense, like, uh, yeah. Um. I, right now, I I'm running cameras, but like you said, like I'm doing it for more of like I was doing it in the summer for inventory. I just want to know what the hell is there is to kind of see like, you know, is it something worth going for? You know what I mean? Um. Yeah. And yeah. and now it's more of like I and I mean Michigan's my main farm, but then like I travel like I'm going to Kansas this year. I went to Iowa last year, Kansas last year. You know, I travel around and hunt as well, but. You know, for Michigan, I I don't want to go in there that much. Like I like keeping my ass out of there because I feel like here in this pressured state, like deer they they get you once, and <laughs> I mean your gig is probably up. It could be, you know. So and it's different everywhere, but like in my area, it's like he might be three counties over. Um, but like so. I just like the feeling or the thought of like the unknown, like you said, last year, the two bucks that I killed, I killed a giant in Iowa and I killed a really good deer in Kansas. Never had one camera picture of them. Nothing. It was the unknown, had no idea about them. And it was so much fun to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a different, it's a different take on it, especially, um, 
and and by no means am I am I saying I'm settling for less lesser deer. I mean, I'm still don't get me wrong. It's still all about I'm looking for the biggest oldest buck that I can I can find. I mean, and but you know, then again, like age has never really been a crucial thing to me. Like like of course, like I want I have I've been passing up you know, two and a half, three and a half year old deer for, for a long time, trying to get them to a potential and trying to get age on them. So their racks get bigger and they, they hit their peak. But at the same time, I think where I, I do get a lot of, or I've gotten a lot of appreciation from people in the past is I am not going to bullshit you. Like I, I'm just, <laughs> I was never one of those guys that was like, Oh, well I won't shoot a two and a half year old because, because I, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't have, I, I've done it in the past. Like I didn't have the willpower, like the, the genetics were just there, man. And he was just a huge freaking deer. Like, um, I, I have a, I have a friend, um, uh, an old friend from, uh, actually a long time ago, but he shot 186 inch deer in Illinois. That deer was a two and a half year old buck. He had it aged. Holy now, shit. I mean, like, it's just one of those things where like, okay, the stars aligned to make this deer, right? I mean, this yeah. deer was a genetic freak and a stud and like now when i seen this buck and i was holding it you could tell it had all the characteristics of a young buck it had like virtually no brows it had no mass it had no spread it didn't have that mature cage that a that a you know a boone and crockett gets um but this deer was 186 inches and and it's like now imagine yourself trying to decipher that when 186 inch rack comes through the timber. Like, it's just one of those things where like, dude, it's freaking tough to do. And with that being said, like now when I'm looking at the deer, part of me was like, Oh my God, it's so sad. Like, like that thing in just one more year, what would that thing have been? Oh my, like just world, world class. And then in two years, a deer like that, if you could get them to that four and a half, like, like, Oh, like it's just it's freaking game over. But it's like, man, how how is it going to happen? Yeah, no, it's Cooper, Aaron. I think I've told you this story before, but a, a friend of mine, Cody, he he interned uh, with me at Midwest Whitetail, and his his dad shot a buck in Kansas two years ago. First year they ever lived there. They moved from Wisconsin, moved to Kansas, or I'm sorry, from Utah. But uh, long story short, he shot a a 203 same thing sent the sent the sent the teeth in comes back two and a half years old oh man yeah was it non-typical or typical (laughs) no non-typical it was all inline points and splits and yeah it was they they thought it was an older deer that was sick and i was like man if there's no way that deer's sick like everything is perfect both sides of the rack are the same height like there's nothing that's really like sticks out to me that would say this deer had a bad growing season whatsoever. Like they pull his teeth and he comes back two and a half years old. I was like, Oh my God. Some of the bigger deer that like we get out here in Iowa, or I can think of, for instance, uh, a deer that, that the old man shot, that was a 10 frame that was 190 inches. And I mean, this deer had a, you know, big body on him. Like he just, he just, you would think like, Oh man, like this deer's, we had his rack the, the year prior and he was 140 inches the year prior. And we think hundred percent, he was two and a half. Like, so like, I think that you get like when you have the good genetics and you have a healthy deer and he's unpressured, like 
the jump that they make and that they can make like quickly is, I mean, it's insane. So, I mean, yeah. it's all, it all equates to like the condition that deer's in genetics and, and, and stress. And, and you can have some mega giants at three and a half years old. Um, so it's just it's yeah. insane. And, and, and that, that 186 too, what was crazy about that is that was a typical, I mean, he had, he oh, had yeah. a few, a few split tines. I think his twos, his twos were split matching. And then he had like a split on his one three, but like, we're not talking a bunch of those like one inch points or like just big gnarly bases or, um, so this deer just had all the, all the, the workings. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Nuts, man. Yes. Uh, two and a half, uh, a typical like that, a boon, I mean, a booner 186. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild, man. Well, cool. I want to do a transition here and I want to get into like right now we're coming into, you know, the, the Super Bowl that all the whitetail hunters, a lot of them anyway, you know, really love is, is November. And if I remember right, you're, you're kind of against November, aren't you? The rut and all that. Yeah. I think out of all the, out of all the, um, the deer I have on the wall, I think there's maybe like two or three that, that, um, that I've shot in November. Okay. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't really do November's a, I don't have a whole lot of luck in November, man. I see a lot of stuff, but it's like chaos, man. I don't like that chaos. Like I like, I like dissecting things, figuring things out and, um, and kind of, you know, being surgical with it. And then come November, I, I got to start thinking more generally. And I don't know if I do as good with that. Um, and I mean, I, I have, I've missed quite a few deer in November, just I, of the, the squirrely nature of these deer, just running around and whatnot. But but yeah, typically, so I, like right now, my, my prime time, um, is winding down. Like I lo- like actually right now where we are is a freaking awesome time. Like from the, my, like from the 15th to the 25th would probably be like, you know, some of my favorite, um, along with early season, but I've killed a lot of deer in that window. Um, and also, also the first week and, and whatnot, but uh, but yeah, deer are going to start getting, and you got to love hunting Halloween. I mean, Halloween's just an awesome time. Just, yeah. Just, uh, but I other agree. Than that, yeah. It's, What's, so I guess my first question to you is, you know, we're, we're coming up on that, that, that time, like, what is your approach coming into November? I'd say, you know, that those last two weeks of October into that first week of November, like, what is your approach? What are you trying to do as a generality? You know, I know every every scenario is different and adapting to different things, but like in a perfect world, what, what are you going into these next three weeks or so, uh, hoping to, you know, to get out there and figure out. I think so in general to sum it up, like pretty straightforward, um, coming into November, like I'm really going to start focusing on like, uh, these bucks getting more territorial, and I'm going to start focusing on like transitions, uh, scrapes big time. Like, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of these deer starting to starting to branch out of their typical everyday, what they're doing, but also getting a little bit more aggressive with, with marking their territory. So like, that's what I'm focusing on at this point in time. Um, for sure. Okay. Yeah, they're about, they're about five beers in right now. They're just they're kind of getting their beer muscles flexing, and they're not quite ready to really fight for the woman yet. But they're 
they got their eye on the guys who were watching them. You know? <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, they're definitely yeah they're definitely starting to size up some people. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I actually this morning I I sat this morning and we're recording this on the twentieth of October and I watched a deer. I was sitting on a on looking over a field uh, over a big bean field and a big cut corn field and I watched one of my shooters literally. I mean, he walked a half a mile to get to a hub scrape, like a community scrape that I have just to check it. And then what he did when he found, he didn't find what he wanted. He literally looped back around and went back to where he came from. Cause that's where he, that's where he lives. I, I he's living on the neighbors, but uh, it's just crazy to see how a deer's demeanor is right now. And I agree with you. Like this is beginning to be one of my favorite times as well because I've had in the past some really good encounters. I've killed some good deer in this time. And the last two days for me have been off the hook. I mean, shooters right now in Michigan, bucks are chasing like crazy, like good bucks. Um, dog and does, checking scrapes, they're on their feet in daylight like crazy right now. And that's what I've been seeing the last two and three days is I, I, I know I just got to be pick the right tree and, you know, and – and hopefully walks by <laughs> kind of thing. That's where I'm at with it right now. Um, but I, I know you said, yes. you know, you killed a, a good one a couple weeks ago. So like, what is your game plan for like tonight in the next couple of days? Like, um, are you really starting to transition to scrapes? Like, are you sitting on scrapes or are you still doing like more observations? Or are you staying in the thick stuff? Yeah. I, so historically i don't really do a whole lot of observation type type sits i'm always like i'd rather go in a tight spot and not see anything and then like but but like i know if if something does come through it's getting killed like that i I always gravitate toward that situation because every time and this actually happened to me this actually happened to me four days ago now i and i and i find myself and i got to kick myself in my own ass every once in a while because I start to like, you know, just you gravitate off what you know a little bit from time to time. And, and the other night I opted, I had a spot that I, I, I found that I was going back into to set up on. And, um, it was uh, a trail that I had anticipating a buck coming off of. And, and, um, it was tight in the timber and where it was, was, was kind of, it kind of hooked up to a logging road. And I started to think to myself like, okay, well, it's a nice night. I feel like there might be some deer, like a, a bean field was just cut, like, and it was, wasn't too far away. So I was like, you know what, let me just, I'll, I can still shoot this trail, but I wasn't right on top of the trail. Like I normally would have got, like, I, I like, I like like five yard shots, man. I got a, I got an obsession with like getting up close and personal and I like being low in the tree. So to whereas like the tree I picked out and I literally had the first stick on the tree about to set up in this tree. And it was, it would have been where I was going to hang the stand was about maybe six or seven feet up in the tree. And I would have had a five yard broadside shot when this deer came out um, and hooked up to the main trail. Well, I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? There's going to be some action. I got my binos on me. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to scope that backfield too. So I just slid over like 15 yards and just enough to where like, okay, now I have a 20 yard shot at that trail and I'll also be able to see the field. Dude, Aaron, that freaking buck came in, came on that trail, and he was just moseying around it. Um, he ended up staying in the cover in my 20-yard lane, getting right past me and freaking just annihilating a tree, probably 
30 yards from me would have been eight yards from the tree I was supposed to be in and then, and, and gave me the old slip. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, you've got to be shitting me. Like, and I knew it. I knew as soon as, um, it, it, I knew it was going to happen that way, but, um, so yeah, so I stray away from the, the trying to see a bunch of stuff and I, I more so want to, want to hook up and want to kill right away. So, yep. um, c- coming into, um, so, and yes, I do hunt over scrapes too. Like I'll hunt right over scrapes if I, you know, if I think that that's where he's going to be coming. Um, but I typically like to hunt those trails. Uh, you know, I'll back off from the scrape maybe a little bit and get him like before he gets there or after he hits the scrape. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I got you. So like, let's say, let's do a scenario here. Let's say you're, you're setting up on a, on a scrape and it's, you know, it's getting their bucks are checking scrapes. Like it's, it's getting to be the rut, if not the rut. So if you're going to set up on a scrape, what is your like perfect scenario setting up on it? Like, are you going to be downwind of it a little bit? Or like you just said, are you going to be sitting off a little bit, you know, um, to catch them before they get to the scrape? Like what would be your perfect scenario if you could draw it up? Uh, so I've, I've killed deer actually working the scrape and I've killed deer on the way to the scrape and then also on the way from the scrape. So that right there is going to be something on the side at the moment. Um, if, if the wind allows for it, I mean, I'll shoot the scrape if I can, if I, if I know if I'm pretty confident and I got more of a bottleneck, like of where he's coming from to hit that scrape, then I'll, I won't even be anywhere near the scrape. So it's one of those things where like it, it all, I guess it's all, it all hinges on that situation. Um, and where I put the other pieces together. Like if I think, and if I have no idea and, I'm, and I just found a scrape and then I'm like, literally like, Oh, okay, well here's the, here's a scrape. I have no other Intel, wipe my mind clean. Uh, then, then yeah, I'll set up just to shoot that scrape. If the wind allows for it, like, you know, cause there's a lot of times too, where I find scrapes and I'm like, Oh man, this thing's getting hit tonight. And, but I won't hunt it because I just can't like, like, you know, like you'll just, you get busted. Um, so just one of those things where you got to know when, to, I guess, when to push it and when to not, but, um, yeah. I gotcha. And something also that really intrigues me about you is like, you only get to, you only like to get, you know, let's say eight, 10 feet off the ground when you're sitting there. Like what, where did that start? And like, why, why do you do that? And <laughs> is it just personal preference or is it more of like, uh, just, you know, you can get up quick and quiet and you're still, you're still in the chips. Yep. So I think, I think a lot of it's, um, so there's multiple reasons there's for one, it's efficiency. So you're more efficient with less gear you're messing around with. Um, and like you can get in quicker, get up quicker when you're hanging as many stands as I do, like it, it becomes important to be able to, to shave some time off. So like, that's one thing. Um, uh, another thing is, you you always have you're you're it's it's very rare that you're going to be silhouetted when you're that low and i i'm a big believer in stealth and movement and um i think that you're i mean like you can be picked out very easily when you're skylit especially like you're, you know you're moving just a little bit so cover is one thing um and i think the biggest thing too is just like i said i i um I fell in love with that. Well, at first, honestly, honestly, it kind of, I've, I've been known to do things that people say you can't do. And it, and it kind of jacks me up to like, to prove people wrong. So the fact that there's a, 
like, cause I used to hang, I used to sit a lot higher and then, you know, working in the tree stand industry, you always hear like, Oh, 20 feet, 20 feet. I need to get 20 feet. How many sticks do I need to get to? And I'm like, what, why do you have to get 20 feet? Oh, you gotta be 20 feet. You go, oh, you got, you gotta be fun. Oh, where I'm hunting, you gotta be high or they will bust you. Well, or, or maybe you're just not stealthy. Maybe that's the answer. Like, you know, so I, like that's kind of the attitude I always had. And I think I originally started hunting low to like prove a point and to like, okay, well, how stealthy can I be? How close can I get to this deer? And I became just infatuated with like that, that rush you get like, dude, when you got, let's say you're after 170 inch buck, right? When you got 170 inch buck come in and work a scrape at eye level with you at five yards away. And I mean, you can like, you can smell his freaking tarsal glands, like so (laughs) strong. And I mean, and, and like just even the noises, like that rack on those trees, like, and you can, you can feel it. It's so cool. Like, dude, that is the ultimate rush. And, and in my opinion too, it's the ultimate, like, like to, to beat a deer's senses at that close, like just to, you know, it's, and that's one of the reasons I never really got into like archery and shooting my bow all that much is like, like I've, I've never killed a deer over 20, 20, 21 yards before. And like, I, I'm just, there's been so many times that I could set a field edge, start practicing at 60 yards and just crucified deer. Like, I mean, like I, I could have my pick at like, you know, and, and I've been asked this a lot of times, like over, over from the course of the year, like, dude, people are like, they see video or whatnot. Like, why don't you start practicing at farther yardages? You'd be like completely deadly. And I'm like, well, I'm just, just not into that. Like that's a feat in itself. And, and I think that is like awesome. Like these guys out West and shit making these incredible shots, but I'm more obsessed with like getting, like getting very close and up close and personal and like the, the sense of accomplishment and the rush I get from, from that, like, I guess uh level of stealth, if you would call it um, to like sneak in, get in a deer's area and be able to outsmart him and get that close to him and then and then put an arrow in him at that at that height and at that range is just just become something that i'm i'm obsessed with i dig that because you know this year i was telling you off record that i've I've done a lot of hang and hunt stuff and i'm i'm relatively pretty new into it and i'll tell you what going in with you know, X amount of sticks can get, you know, five sticks or whatever it is you have for a climbing method. It can get exhausting and it, you could, it could get to the point where it's like, shit, why am I doing all this work? And like, then the next time you want to go out, you're like, I'm not going through all that work. You know, it's easier to talk yourself out of it. I totally get unless where you're you, coming from. Unless you got a custom gear setup, Aaron, <laughs> then, it, then it's a breeze, man. You can, you can have six sticks. It'll feel like you got two and you can throw them up in a heartbeat, but no, I'm just kidding. No, I agree, um, man. What you yeah. guys got going on over there is it, you guys are second to none when it, in the mobile game, man. Like you guys literally, I feel like have thought of it all when it comes to those setups. It's unbelievable. Well, yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where like you hit it on the head too. Like there's, it's, it, it's more work. It's more. And honestly, I think, I think this, this sort of stem, like I said, for, it stemmed like to me originally to prove a point. I had some success with that, but also, like I said, I'm, I'm also one of those guys that's historically running late too. So I'm like rushing in to get, get somewhere and I'm, I'm popping up somewhere and, and this or that. And, um, and I also like, I like shooting, sitting down and I like, uh, I like cover just cause, cause movement is so huge. But, but I also think I have, I've had a theory 
about this for a long time where there's like, there, there's a zone that, and I know a lot of people, so many people, Aaron, have called bullshit on me on this. And I just tell them like, dude, just try it. Just try it. And, and it, it, it's usually those guys who are down south or who are out east or, or in pressured areas or, and they literally, they say, nope, you can't get away with that where I'm at. You can't get away. I've heard it so many times. Oh, no, you can't do that where I'm at. Oh, yeah, my deer ain't stupid. And I say, have you ever tried it? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, then how the fuck do you know you can't get away with it? And I've had so many people that I've literally, like, talked to at shows. I'm like, hey, do me a favor. I don't give a shit if you're hunting open pines. I don't give a shit if you're doing – I said, park your ass eight feet up in a tree and have one thing in mind, have statue. And you be stealthy and tell me what the fuck happens. And I've had so many people, like literally I get a text mid-season or like, or, or typically I don't, you know, have these guys numbers, but um, next year they come up to me at a show and they're like, dude, I freaking killed my biggest buck I've ever killed. And I was eight feet off the ground and I was, <laughs> and they're just in, and it, dude, it's happened so many times. So like, there's, there's one of those things where like so many people are brainwashed by the, what the industry tells them. Oh, you can't hunt mornings in October. Oh, you, you can't, you can't hunt. What? Like, Oh no, you, you can't hunt without an Ozonics. Oh no, you got to be 36 feet up in a tree. Uh, otherwise they'll bust you. Or like, there's so much bullshit. Like, you know, next when you hear that kind of stuff, like, and that's, what's frustrating because a guy, I, I think about a guy who's new in hunting and all of a sudden he's like, Oh shit. Okay. Well, like, where do I, okay, well, I, I, I gotta be this tall in a tree. I gotta, I have to do this scent ritual with my clothes and I have to, shake a fucking voodoo stick over my head six times and, and, and think about, you know, it's one of those things where like, um, it's just, it's cool to, or I don't know, I I guess I enjoyed just proving some of that stuff. Well, and I agree with you too, because you know, there's all these handwritten or these unwritten rules that, that you have to go about. And honestly, when I was growing up too, like those were the things that like, you know, you you learned, like that's what you were taught a lot of the time. So like one of my biggest things is, is entering one is what you just said, hunting mornings in October. I love doing that. But the other thing is, is hunting field edges in the morning. And I do that here. And this morning I had my number two shooter come right by me. And if he wasn't out of range, like he wasn't far out of range, but I would have killed him. So like, and that's the second time in two years. You can't do that. No, do that. (laughs) Yeah. There's, and that's what, that's what, that's what just drives me nuts about the whole thing is there's so many people who are so they're so like certain with what they're saying. Like, like, like you can't do this or, or you can't, or I only do this. And in my opinion, that is like the dumbest thing you can ever say. Yeah. It's like you, you only do something. And it's like, well, that is just, that's just not smart, man. You, yeah. You're pigeonholing yourself and in, into, um, it's like those people that say, I only shoot eight and a half year old white tail. Like, no, you don't <laughs> like just, and, and, and I mean, and if, and if that's the case, then like, that's <laughs> yeah, off to you, but like, there's, <laughs> there's, there's not, it's not out there. 
Uh, well, you know, and, and back to my field, you know, hunting field edges in the morning and, and entering from a field, you know, some scenarios are different. I get it. Like not just anybody can hunt. Like I'm, one farm that I have here, I can get in a stand in the morning and I, I did blow deer this morning. I know I did, but I had a, I had a mission. I had a goal and I knew where this deer was living and it wasn't on me and it happened to a T and he just, you know, he didn't come within range and hopefully tonight I'll get him when he's going back to bed. And that's the thing, man. There's, and that's what people don't understand either is you have to take everything for this, for the certain situation. Like, like, yes, there's going to be times where it might not be smart to enter or to go hunt a field edge in the morning. Like the, but, but that situation might, you know, that's just that time. And there might be situations where like, it, it's one of those things where everybody wants the, the do all answer too. And it's just not, there's just no such thing as that. Yep. No, there's not even close. <laughs> Justin, what's your setup for, cause you do all hanging hunts basically. Well, majority, what's your setup? Are yep. you, are you, you know, kind of like Cody, like getting, you know, not too high or does it just depend on the tree? Uh, it just depends on the tree for me. Um, last year I spent a lot of time, you know, two and three sticks high. Um, this year so far, I've just, I've been four. Um, I, I do. I like the elevation just because of the wind factor. Like if you can get out of that wind a little bit more, um, that's really the only extra benefit I think, in my opinion, of going higher. But um, I agree with Cody. Like you don't need to. I mean, I've I've killed deer on the ground without a stand. Without I've, I've put a stand on a tree a foot off the ground just for some place to sit for the hell of it. Like you know, just to have, to be, to be comfortable. Um, um, it just really depends on the, the situation. Like I wouldn't do that on a field edge. Probably I'd probably want to be up a little bit, but, um, where I'm at right now, this, this place I found is it's real tight to bedding about 80 yards inside the edge of a cut cornfield where three ravines come up and meet like it all plateaus in one spot and it's all bedding. So those deer are just they're coming out of those ravines, hitting that plateau, staging up and going out to the beans at night. And I'm three sticks off the ground right now. I, I hang the fourth because I like to step off onto my tree stand instead of like do a pull up to get into it. <laughs> and I can hang my backpack and everything else on that last stick. But it's, I saw three bucks, four bucks and three does this morning by 830. And not one of them. They were all, I had, I had a doe fun directly underneath me. I was probably twelve feet off the ground. Yep. No, uh, Cody, they, do you have? They didn't any, even look twice. Right. Cody, do you have any issues like Justin was talking about with wind at all? Your thermals and everything being that low. Uh, no, actually. So you, you get you actually get a, a more of an advantage. It's less time your scent is is kind of is in like so if you put your if you put yourself way up in a tree. And I, you know, opposed to getting way above like the trails you're, cause I will, there's, there's, there's sets that I hang high. So, I mean, I have a few sets and, and, and I've said this on a couple other podcasts, but so I don't mean to be repetitive, but like, I've been, I've been called out a lot because I'll post a picture of like just crazy high setup and they're like, gotcha. Like you're, you're actually hunting high. And, and realistically, like, I like, and just like Justin said, you, you have to take the scenario for what it's for. And I can think of certain instances, especially here in Iowa, we got a lot of bluffs. And when you hunt the bottoms, like 
I need those thermals and I need that wind. I need to be high in a tree to get away with some of that stuff because otherwise my wind stays in the bottom and just swirls the shit out of everything. So like, and there's spots that I won't even hunt. Like there's, um, uh, I can think of a particular stand that, um, I have out of state on a lease that I hunt that is just, it's like six sticks high and then a couple screw ins. And it's, it's literally on this bank and there's so many intersecting trails that, like, I, there is no good wind for it. The only good wind is a minimal wind with a nice clear morning so you get a thermal lift and you're high as fuck in a tree. Like, the, like, and that's the recipe for success there. And deer can come from anywhere. You don't have to worry about it because you're so high. And um, So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think knowing when you start to learn the land a little bit um, and then you can also learn, like, what the wind does and how thermals like work at, at certain times. And then on, and, and a big thing too, is like sitting in that area because there's been areas that I've sat that I, I thought I knew what my wind was going to do. And I was sadly mistaken. Like, um, I, I, I hung a stand the other night and I was sitting in it and the direction of the wind was a consistent Northeast and it was blowing straight West where I was at. Like th- there's, there's no bullshit there. And I know because I always have my wind indicator on me and this isn't a product plug. Like, I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, it is, but it isn't like, this is something that I believe if you're not using on a regular basis and you can, you, there's so many different companies that have these things. There's, you know, there's, you know, you can get a, an old school one. You can buy them at Walmart. You can, you know, you can buy ours. You can buy the smoke fucking vapor ones. Like I'm just saying, yeah, in milkweed. But that's what's, you know, and now this is a product plug. That's what's awesome about ours is it's all that shit in one. You have you have a milkweed compartment. You have your, your powdered compartment. So you can check a strong wind direction. You can check thermals with your milkweed. And it's got a compass in it. So you're never relying on your cell phone to get the reception. You don't have to worry about, like, um, you know, oh, well, okay. Because I'm telling you, a lot of people think what, they know what direction they are in the woods. Uh, and I've learned this the hard way, too. And even if you got your phone out and everybody's using Onyx or whatever, but like a lot of times that shit don't load right. And you think you can see your position and where you're actually laying. But until you pull out that freaking compass um, and look exactly what direction you are facing, and then, then you check your wind, that's the recipe for success. So that's what's awesome about having that. And, and I'm always using it. And, and that's what's nice because I can, I can check for a stiff wind with my powder, I can check with the milkweed. I always drop milkweed, especially in the morning, just to see what the thermals are doing. Um, and I'm always using that compass, even when I'm not checking the wind. Compass is something that I've always had in the woods with me forever. And and yes, like my phone has a compass app, but I just I've I've found it to be freaking wank uh, walky sometimes. Like it just okay, and then oh, you're yeah. sitting there doing a figure eight in the tree stand just to get your phone recalibrated. Um, and it's like what the fuck, you know. Um, so there's, um, so yeah, it's one of those things where like the wind is by far the most important piece of the puzzle when you're hunting and people who for one think they can cheat that. And for two, don't pay attention to it are just failing. I mean like miserably. Uh, and I know that sounds harsh, but like if, if you think that what you're doing with your scent, control or what you're doing at home or the soap that you're buying that you're washing your body with or what the clothes you're wearing that claim they have some sort of magic sorcery is 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 allowing you to not have to worry about the wind you are 
yeah. drinking I, the I Kool-Aid. Be mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be bring... mean, but that is that is that is not wise at all. Like you know, I'm I'm thinking of a word here, but um, <laughs> so I, I and I don't I don't know. It's just one of those things where I I hate to to, to rant on this, but it's just like I, I don't I don't even know how a deer's nose is powerful, man. And like just 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 get a good wind. Get yeah. a good wind, abide by the wind, make the wind your best friend and just, uh, and just, you know, learn how to, how to work it. I agree. I, I got, before we wrap it up here, we're coming up on an hour. I, I got two questions for you and it's going to be related to scent and clothes. Um, the first one is, do you do anything for scent control? Um, so now, uh, I, no, I don't. To answer that question, I used to. Back in the day, I freaking drank the Kool-Aid too. And I was never real crazy with it, but like I would, I, I bought scent-free soap. I bought scent-free detergent. Like I, now don't get me wrong. Like, so actually, and I'll go, I'll go into my entire scent regimen in a second, but I used to be, a, I never believed in the clothing bullshit and I never believed in Ozonics. Now don't get me wrong. Ozone works. It is a proven technology, but it does not work out in the, in the open. It works in a vacuum and it works if you can contain it and it may I don't know, whatever. Like I just, uh, it, it, it's just not something I, for, for me, the, the addition of that stuff, taking it in and the bullshit of messing around with it is not worth the reward that you might get, which I don't think you will. So that's just my take on that. But so I used to a little bit and, um, and I don't like, so, uh, the extent of my scent system or, or, did you say routine? Is that what you? Yeah, what you like use? what what you use basically if you use anything at all for any sort of scent control. So the only thing that I do, the only thing that I'm pretty adamant about is just making sure that the wife stops using her like freaking fragrance washing shit to wash wash the clothes. Like you know, so that's the one thing that I do. I just. I stop using like uh, what do you call it? Like, you know, you might have like bony, like fresh linen, like this or what, like it, yep. I just get, I get a, a laundry detergent that's just free of perfumes. So like that right there is the only thing I do as far as scent um, or like my, my process. That's it. Do you do, I mean, do you put it in like a tote or anything like that to carry it or to, to store it at nope. all? Nope. I don't even do that anymore. I used to, I mean, over, I've seen myself, if, if I look at myself 10 years ago versus now, it's slowly tapered off to virtually nothing. 10 years ago, I used to have a bin that I stored my hunting clothes in and I used to just wash my body with scent-free soap and I used to store my clothes in that bin and I used to, you know, keep my shit out of the house. And I, you know, and, and that was, that was about like the extent. And then I, then I started like, okay, well, I don't really need, like, dude, I hate this soap. It makes my skin feel like shit. Like I, uh, you know, I don't need that. And then it was like, well, if, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, why does all my shit have to fit in this tote? Like, why do I, my, all, you know, whatever. Then I ditched the tote and, you know, and then I just, and now don't get me wrong. I won't like, I won't cook up a, a meal of like, you know, bacon and onions, like right before I go out to, to, to hunt in my hunting clothes. But I don't make like some crazy conscious effort to like keep them buried underground so so scent doesn't contaminate them. So, um, yeah, I just slowly over the course of the years, like I, I virtually do nothing now. So actually, it was funny because somebody I was hunting or one of my buddies actually that I was hunting with last week, um, or I wasn't hunting with him. It was right before I left to hunt, and they're like, "What's that smell?" 
And I'm like, what smell? They're like, they're like, I swear, like I can smell citrus or whatever, or like something, or they said, they said something. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, dude, that's you. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, and I'm like, oh, like my, like you can smell my, my soap that I use, like when I clean my body. And, and I grabbed a bar of it and I'm like, is this what you're smelling? And they're like, yeah, that's it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's my, that's myself. And they're like, aren't you going, they're like, aren't you going hunting? And I'm like, yeah. Like, and he's like, and you're using that? Like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's like some sandalwood citrus, like freaking bath time soap. Like, and they're like, are you shitting me? And I'm like, nope. Like that's my, that's, that's awesome. my soap. That's what I wash my body in. I like the way it feels on my skin. Like I just, um, it, it's, it's one of those things where, like the whole scent industry is a, I mean, I hat is my hat is off to those people because they are making a gob of money, but it's a bunch of bullshit. Um, cause I think a, a deer is going to smell you whether you just wash down with, um, you know, this, uh, this, this magic scent powder versus if you haven't taken a shower in five days versus you just, you know, used pert plus. You know, it, it's one of the, I mean, like, a deer's got a good nose, and it's not like you're going to freaking, I don't know, I just, I'm, yeah, I'm you from, can't, you can't turn it off. <laughs> yeah, I saw, but, I saw something on, on the old Instagram the other day, it was, uh, I it must be like the Bible blocker. then if you saw it on there, right? Yeah, it's got to be true. It's, <laughs> I, I, I looked at it, and I was like, you've got to be shitting me, and like, I just kept, I didn't even give it two seconds, it was, it was ozone infused water. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck do you do with that? What the hell is that? Uh, well, hey, is that so your fart doesn't duh. smell bad or what? It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna take away all the freaking scent that you that you give out from your mouth. Duh! Didn't you know that? Oh my now, god! Go buy it and drink it every day, and you know probably and, make yeah. yourself so sick. Probably. Yeah, that's what this that's what this shit is nowadays. Um, oh my so god! So what was your second question? It was Second Hold question. On, I gotta tell you. Question. I gotta tell you a quick brief synopsis here while we're on the subject of scent i'm sorry to stop you did you say scent or last sex? night I, hung, I did a hanging hunt last night on public land i walked in there and i i made a mock scrape i shit you not i literally took a piss in that scrape and put a camera on it this morning i went in there i hunted the exact same stand three deer walked by checked that scrape hung out under my stand and all the entire sit last night and all day today there is a pile of Copenhagen wintergreen chew spit on the ground underneath my stand, and not one deer looked up or gave two shits. There's 27 pictures on the camera that I hung on that scrape, full of my own piss, five feet from a pile of Copenhagen wintergreen, and <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter. Okay, now now you're just making it seem easy like it's what we do. <laughs> well, well, you're in no. Iowa, though, right? Remember? You guys are in Iowa, so... It's like a zoo. Saying, it's, it's, like, it's a zoo it's out so there. It's so overthought. It's <laughs> yeah. so overthought. Oh like, shit! You, you play the wind, and if a deer can't associate danger to a specific smell, like it's not going to be like, oh, that's skunk piss, that's fox piss, uh, that that's a mouse dump right there. Uh, this is coyote puke. Like they don't freaking know what's what. They just they associate it when they see it at the time. Like, yeah, no harm. Yeah. Yeah. There's. I mean. Yeah. It's, I think it's a, it's a, there's a fine line between like, okay, like a, a deer winding you, um, you know, up in a tree and then associating that with danger versus like, you know, especially on public ground, a lot of foot traffic and, and, you know, people, you know, there's like, you know, the, 
it, it, it's all, it all depends, man. There's the temperament of deer are different everywhere you go. Like you said, uh, Aaron, like in Michigan versus, you know, even on, I know guys who hunt public ground in Michigan, them deer never seen a damn soul. Like there's so much ground. They're not getting badgered by anybody. And like, so, you know, you might be able to versus like, you know, let's say you try and go hunt like a, a you know, um, you know, a private piece or, or I don't know what I'm getting at is there's just, there's so many different scenarios you can throw in there too. And, and certain deer might take shit. Certain deer might not, but in a general consensus, like if, if you are just making sure that you are keeping the wind as your number one priority and just staying out of their line of scent, well, you're covering your ass. That's it. You don't have yeah. to use the potions. Yep. For sure. Yeah, so my second my second part to that question, and this will be the last one. We'll wrap it up here, so we can we all of us can get in a tree tonight. But uh, is what clothes are you wearing? Because I see a lot. You're wearing, you know, like probably I think like smart wools and, and merino wools. I think, and that's something I've been going to a lot. I've been starting with the base layers, and and soon going to be going to outer layers. But I've, I want to pick your brain about like what you're doing you know, what clothes you're using and what you recommend for, you know, those base layers and outer layers. So, okay. So I have a pretty, I have a pretty, like I said, I'm, I'm a real kind of like, uh, you know, um, like routine individual. So my layering system is, it, it's always been the same. And I typically have a pair of insulated hiking pants that I wear, um, that I'll wear, at all times. I mean, unless it's really early and I don't need any insulation, but I find that people find it crazy that I wear the same shit when it's like 40 degrees as I do when it's like 10 degrees. It's just maybe the difference of like one mid layer. And, um, so, you know, my pants are that I do have, and then when it gets cold, so that's what I wear all the time. When it starts to get like a little cold to where like, it's affecting me. I have a, I have wool base layers. So like Merino wool, like, like a, um, base layer on my legs that I wear. And then with those base layers and then a pair of insulated pants on, like I'll never put anything over that. I've tried years ago. I used to have a set of Carhartt bibs back when I didn't wear insulated hikers that I would put on over like my, my wool, my wool long johns and then my, jeans or whatever then i'd have a pair of carhartt uh carhartt bibs like they were like work bibs the brown ones and those are awesome but like i just hate bibs i hate it they're bulky i hate wearing them i hate putting them on i hate taking them off i hate everything about them so um i i wear just pants and that's it and my legs typically don't get cold my feet are another story my feet are little bitches um (laughs) but um so but as far as that goes and then up top man i i do like wool i like wool a lot um, and I do also like, like just heavy cotton garments. So, um, and I, I wear flannels, I wear a lot of solid like drabs. Um, but one of my favorite, I got two favorite pieces of, of clothing probably, um, for outer layer. One of them is like a, um, it's an old wool sweater and it actually has a windbreaker in it now. And I've, I've looked for these. They do not make them. Trust me. I mean, I've been trying to buy more. The ones that I've been wearing, I think um, I got for Christmas when I was like 17. Um, and they were an old guide series. I think Cabela's made them back when Cabela's made good stuff. 
Um, and like it was, it was wool and they had a heavy windbreaker underneath them. And it's just an awesome unit. Now there's some stuff out there comparable, but that's one thing I still wear. I got a couple wool sweaters that are like the uh, Fjall Raven, um, that brand. Um, they're kind of like a, an OR brand or they got a hunting division, yep. but, um, and then I got, um, some heavy cotton, like storm weight, um, sweaters and hoodies that I'll like, I'll, I'll go back and forth with. Um, and then I have a base, I wear a base layer. It's a, it's a Patagonia R1. Like I really like that base layer, um, up top that keeps me pretty well warm. And then those are my key, my key pieces. And then when I'm getting cold and stuff, I, I add, um, I pretty much add down then from that. Like that's what I'll typically wear normally. You know, I might like just wear my wool sweater uh, or like just the flannel if it's not that that cold. Then when it gets a little colder, I'll wear my wool sweater. And then when it's a little bit colder than that, I'll throw my down uh, jacket or vest under my wool sweater. And then like I'm I'm good to go. And then when it gets like frigidly cold, like like negative twenty, over that I'll put like another heavy wear another heavyweight like vest um i've never liked jackets i don't like the bulk um and then if it like and i'll I'll layer then another maybe sweater or like i'll throw my hoodie and my my wool sweater on with my vest and then that outer like like so that's pretty much my system it's very simple um it's nothing fancy um you know and i do like the hoods when it starts getting colder i definitely throw that hoodie in there um, as a, as a mid layer. So, cause like my neck, I find like, if I keep my neck warm, you know, I keep that hood up, I can contain a lot of heat up there. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. My neck is my, my thermostat. Basically, if it's cold, my whole body's cold. <laughs> so I always probably, yeah. I always have a Merino wool, um, uh, neck gator that I like to wear. It's probably the piece that I will not go into the woods without for sure. So, yeah. Well, cool, man. I, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. We're a little over an hour. I want to be respectful of your time as well and get your ass in a stand because I want to get a stand too. So, and same with Justin. But uh, before we do Dude, go, what's that? I said we're all heading out. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Hopefully, all kill tonight. <laughs> um, would that be something? That yeah. would be. It would be. Th- th- that would be. I'll buy the beers crazy. if that happens. Yeah, I'll drive I'll to Iowa you. and meet you guys if that happens. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> That'd be pretty sick. Then we have we have another a podcast episode two with all the all the deer on the um, yes feature. We'll do that yeah. if if literally if that happens tonight, we will do another podcast this week or weekend. So we'll have to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, b- before we do go though, I I want you to have a time to plug yourself and everything you're doing and where people can find out what you're doing. You know, with custom gear and all that oh. stuff. So let everybody yeah, know. Sure, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, if you want to any of my um uh uh the method to my madness or you want to tune in or follow me or got, got any interest in what i'm doing um you can head over to my instagram I, I typically put stuff on there mostly um and that's just cody underscore dequisto um i've been doing uh kind of a real-time highlight feed of like my hunts this year and you can see my past one um as far as any product goes uh, on the custom gear side of things like um you can check out our Instagram as Lone Wolf Custom Gear, our Facebook, but the website, www.lonewolfcustomgear.com is like where you're going to find all the product information, where you'd order some of that stuff. Um, feel free to DM me. 
Uh, if you have any questions about certain rigs or whatnot, we're working on some custom content pieces um, and, and more like, I guess, in-depth of configurations and setups that you can do with the different products. So any any product information, go check that out. And um, and yeah, that should, that should cover you. Cool, man. I appreciate you doing this. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate you guys having me, Aaron. It was nice. Uh, Justin, nice meeting you. And I hope we all put a good one down very soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. All right, there it is. I mean, a great conversation, and hopefully you guys took a lot out of this like I did. I mean, Cody is just a solid guy. I'm happy to have him on here. I'm glad he did come on here. We're working on getting Andre on here as well sometime soon, but, um, yeah, I really enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully you guys did as well. Uh, Thank you for the support. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review. Go to our Facebook page, like and follow that. Go to Instagram, you know, follow that. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully you guys are out there grinding out in the Whitetail Woods, and hopefully everybody is successful this week. So thanks again, guys. We'll see you right here next week on the Fall Podcast.